all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy, where the doctor is always in. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at UMMC. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. Hope your new year is getting off to a great start, even though we're in, what is this, the second week, I guess, of the new year? Today on Southern Remedy, as usual, we'll be taking your calls with any kind of questions you might have. And one of the questions I'd like to go ahead and throw out there is, what are your New Year's resolutions that are related to the health of you and your family? What kind of things have you got planned? We would love to share that, maybe critique that a little bit, maybe tweak it. But this program is for you. You can reach us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. Glad to have everybody listening this morning. Beautiful day outside. Man, you got to love this kind of weather in the South for winter. I posted something on Twitter the other day. I'm actually pulling carrots from my small garden in January, people were saying, how do you do that? Well, Mississippi, that's how you do it right there. Uh, great state to live in and also want to welcome those uh, surrounding states that are able to listen to us this morning. This is the show, if you're not familiar with us, that you can call in with any kind of medical problem that you might have. And we try to answer it here on the show or at least give you some information and point you in the right direction. The number to call this morning if you have a question about your health or the health of someone around you is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you'd like to send an email to us, you can reach us at Remedy at mpbonline.org. Well, since we're in the second week of the new year, 2019, going to take me a while to uh, sign that and uh, on, my, on the date when I put it on things. Uh, certainly still in this electronic age, signing a lot of things if you're a physician. Um, but I know a lot of people out there have resolutions. I think, you know, somewhere around 65 to 70% of Americans at least say that they make resolutions and somewhere between 10 and 15%, maybe a little bit higher than that, actually keep them. Uh, one of the things that you can do to be successful in those resolutions is be very specific and have attainable goals and 
uh, think about what you have time and can accomplish to do that. So I thought, along with other questions that you might have, we might open up the board uh, for anybody that might have a comment or a question about uh, their New Year's resolutions that are related to the health of themselves or maybe some others. So with that, we're going to go to John from Benton. Let's see. Good morning, John. Are you there? I'm here. All right. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for listening. Listen, uh, I used to be in super shape. I'm 64 now. I ran, I don't know, 46 miles a week, did weights, yada, yada. Then I had back surgery about three years ago. It was extremely successful, but I I got fat and lazy. But uh, <laughs> I... I'm correcting that now. I'm keeping up with my diet so on an app. I got a new puppy, and uh, he loves to walk, so we're walking about 45 minutes a day. And uh, I've been doing push-ups. I'm up to 81. Wow. And I've been doing these planks. Uh, there was a plank that a four-minute challenge. Oh, did we lose you, John? We'll, we'll wait for John, but I may. I think we lost him there with the connection. So just a couple of comments. John brought up some things about New Year's uh, resolutions around health care that are extremely common, right? So uh, for a lot of us, uh, we used to be very active, and now we're not for various reasons. And in particular, after you pack on a lot of weight – uh, from lack of activity and, and maybe eating more calories than you're burning off, which is really the whole equation there, uh, along with the wrong kinds of foods, that can lead to you gaining that extra weight. And, uh, you know, people are amazed. They're like, I was, in fact, I was talking to one of my patients yesterday uh, who said, you know, I just, it's so hard for me to do what I used to could do 5, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but when you've when you've gained weight, I mean that makes sense if you think about it. What if you if if I took you uh, and said, "Here, hold this fifteen pound weight, and now I want you to go run a mile." I mean that would be incredibly hard for anybody to carry fifteen extra pounds to do that if you're not conditioned to do that already. So think about that: fifteen, twenty extra pounds that you have on you from gaining weight. Your body's having to work that much harder to really deal with that. Now, John uh, identified a lot of things that are that are very that help with the success of of uh, fitness programs. I'll use the term fitness rather than exercise. Um, and really, it, it comes down to what are your goals? And uh, people can have all kinds of different goals. Maybe it's fitting into a different uh, dress size or different pants size. Maybe it's to do something that they used to could do that they can't do anymore. Maybe that's running a race or, or competing in something. Uh, maybe it's uh, related to other conditions that you have. Maybe you have diabetes and your doctor said, you know what, if you got enough exercise, maybe you could come off a couple of these medications uh, or improve your current uh, control of diabetes. So there's all kinds of different goals. It You really need a goal. I mean, just changing things, uh, particularly be, be, because somebody else said it, unless you really are on that bandwagon to say, you know what, I got to get serious about my health. Uh, my father had a heart attack when I, when he was my age, and now I, I need to do something different. And then be very specific. John listed off a ton of stuff, a lot of different stuff that he's doing. Some of it, uh, it helps with toning of muscles. He mentioned push-ups. 
uh, planking before he got uh, cut off there. That's another one. If you're not familiar with that, basically you, uh, you're sort of in a push up position. You can do it with your arms extended or you're on your elbows and you hold that. It helps to work a lot of the muscles around your core, which are your abdomen and your back. Uh, John, uh, mentioned too, that he had a, uh, health problem with his back, uh, that sort of limited things. Uh, the biggest advice I would have for John and others in this same situation is have attainable goals. In other words, if you, if your goal is to lose ultimately a hundred pounds, don't try to do that in two months. Uh, that's unrealistic. Um, you know, a half a pound to a pound a week. Uh, but I, I would go even one step further in doing something that number one, you enjoy, that you you can adjust to your schedule and what you can do physically. Uh, John and others may want to get a, a doctor's advice on what to do as far as their medical conditions before you start, particularly a vigorous exercise program. But most exercise programs need to be balanced. In other words, they need to work your heart. Those are things that you're doing repetitive motion over and over again, whether that is walking at a brisk pace, uh, whether that's running, cycling, uh, elliptical machines, whatever, but it needs to be something that you can do and you can enjoy doing, or at least see the goal in enjoying doing it. I mean, exercise is exercise. It's not enjoyable for everybody, but trying to incorporate as many things in your life that you can enjoy doing is, is possible. So good luck to you, John. And, uh, you know, one good thing about back pain or back surgery, uh, the more you do activity wise, as long as you're not overstressing those joints, um, the better, the better you're going to do long term. We know that chronic pain management exercise is an excellent um, component of that, along with other modalities. So good luck to you. Our second caller is on the line. This is Judy from Biloxi. Good morning, Judy. Hello. Thanks for calling. Oh, thank you. I have a thyroid um, problem. I've had it for years. Uh-huh. And I was on point eight eight. Uh, milligrams, I guess it is. I don't know what the last part of it is. but Probably micrograms. Usually yeah, that's right. in micrograms, yeah. That's right. And uh, my thyroid was getting lower and lower and lower. Of course, my energy levels going with it. <laughs> but uh, I'm on, uh, they just changed it about a month and a half ago to uh, 75. Uh-huh. But I still am very, very tired and all of that. And I'm wondering if if we're going the right way with it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a tricky one. So so just to, to back up a little bit for those people that don't know, Judy, you may know all this, but uh, just for everybody else who's listening. So hypothyroidism, that your thyroid gland is in your neck. So it's right around where your vocal cords or Adam's apple, your voice box is. It's a butterfly shaped uh, uh, gland uh, tissue that you, most of the time you can't really feel. You can feel it a little bit if you've got a lot of experience um, uh, in training on doing that. But it sits right in front of your neck. And what it does is it sort of controls your metabolism. So it can af- it can affect all kinds of different things in your body and does. So uh, when it's not working appropriately, and sometimes this is because of autoimmune problems, sometimes this is uh, it just stops working, particularly as you get older. And unfortunately, older women get this a lot where it just quits producing that thyroid hormone or it's not producing enough. And you feel tired, like Judy mentioned. Uh, you can have dry skin. Your hair can be thin, thinner. 
uh, you can have all kinds of different problems with with hypothyroidism. And if it gets worse enough, you can have a lot of different. Uh, you end up in the hospital or in the ICU yeah. setting. Yeah. So, so I, Judy, I'm sure that they're they're probably adjusting this according to blood levels. Is that correct? Um. Well, I don't know. They've got me on a little bit of a blood thinner because I had a stroke two years ago. Are Are they checking your blood periodically and checking hormone levels? Is uh, Are they doing that? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, that would be my question to ask them. So when you when you diagnose somebody with with a, a low functioning thyroid uh, hypothyroidism. Uh, basically, that's a. It, what we do is we take a good history, like you, like we should with any patient. And if we have enough symptoms of that, we take some blood and we test that blood for a couple of different hormone levels. And uh, uh, one of them is sort of the end product that the thyroid makes. Another one is one that the brain makes to stimulate the thyroid to make that. Um, so after that, and if it, you're diagnosed with it, it's not producing enough. The easiest thing to do is to give you that hormone replacement, which is what you, you said you were taking. Synthroid is, is the name of it. Um, yes. And, and uh, I've been on that for probably 30 years. Yeah, long time. And, and the thing about it is, though, once you get on the, the medication, it can fluctuate. Uh, so it's not, you know, just because you're on 88 micrograms today or 75 or 50 or whatever, uh, that may change over time so that you have to adjust it. The normal way to adjust it is through taking a repeat blood test to test those two hormone levels. So usually, at the very least, that's a a TSH Mm -hmm. and a free T4. I'm doing that uh, tomorrow. Perfect. So, And the other thing to, to keep in mind is the thyroid replacement, the way this hormone works, it's a very, very long-acting hormone. So once you have it in your system, it takes a long time to see the effects change. So after you make a change, really you shouldn't readjust it uh, any, any more frequently than every two to three months. Okay. And same thing with testing. So if they adjusted the dose recently, really uh, what you're supposed to do is, is check it again in about six to eight weeks. Uh-huh. Um, and and then you can readjust at that point. But uh, patients, I think, sometimes don't understand that, that it's not a quick fix, and you can still feel tired for long periods of time. But mm-hmm. that's that's the most accurate way to adjust the dose according to what you need is by checking those th- those levels. Now, sometimes, if you're pretty close to the range and you're still having symptoms, they may adjust it a little bit one way or the other. But, uh, you know, or if you're losing weight or, or gaining weight. But, um, yeah, so and, and generally speaking, if, if it's lower, if that if your TSH is high and your your free T4 is low, then you need more hormone. And, uh-huh. and the opposite, it goes, you know, the same way. So um, so if the TSH is higher when you get it rechecked and the, and the free T4 is low, then they may want to increase the dose of that. And increase going up or down? Up. Up. Going up, yeah. So if you were at 75 now, probably going back up to 88 or even 100 micrograms may be, you know, depending on what the level is. Okay. And there's not anything other people say, is there anything I can do? Can I eat something different? Not for not for thyroid problems. Now, another thing that I have to mention, Judy, that you can do is 
timing, this is one of those medications that is extremely sensitive to, to uh, how you take it and when you take it. So uh, if you, you should not take this medication, a, a thyroid medication, with other medications. You should separate that by at least 30 minutes. Uh, in most people, it works the best if you take it on an empty stomach about 30 minutes before you eat in the morning. Um, also, supplements like calcium can affect how much of the hormone, how much of the, of the medication that you're absorbing. So you want to be careful with that and separate it out. That may be, you know, even though the dose may be appropriate, you may not be absorbing enough of it because it's taken with those other things. So just keep that in mind and, uh, you know, follow up with your doctor. It takes a lot of patience uh, just because of how those things work. This is Southern Remedy. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got plenty of time for you to call in. Our number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about all kinds of things. Just talking about some thyroid problems, but we are here for you if you have any kind of health problem of you, or maybe it's your kids, or grandkids, or friends, or family. You can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can um, uh, send us an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Talking about New Year's resolutions as they relate to health. Maybe you got some in particular that you want to ask about. Uh, then I, I had a follow up from a previous program. I actually was listening to. Uh, to uh, to Everyday Tech on the way in, and somebody called about Orange Theory, but we're going to go to our caller first and then come back around to that. So let's go to Wayne, and I'm not sure where Wayne is from. Preston? I think that's Preston. Good morning, Wayne. Yes, how you doing? Good. All right, yes, we were talk- you were talking about thyroid. Yeah. Now, I've been on Synthroid for a long time, uh, probably a couple of years, for hypothyroidism. Correct. Now, some of the things I've read about hypothyroidism, some of it indicates that it uh, can be a, uh, a cause for anxiety. If uh, It's the opposite. So usually uh, hyperthyroidism, which we didn't talk about. So in some instances, the thyroid would make more hormone than it needs to. And again, uh-huh. that, can, that can be an autoimmune problem. It can be, you know, a couple of different problems. Yeah, I do have MS. 
Yeah, and that and and here's the funny thing about anxiety: it is tied into all kinds of other medical problems, and it, you can have it stand alone, or it can be a cause of other things. For a thyroid gland that's making too much, or if you're getting too much of the replacement, then you might lose weight, you might feel jittery, uh, you might have some anxiety, your heart rate may be a little bit faster. Uh, all of the, you know, excess sweating, all those things are symptoms of an over active thyroid, or if you're getting too much of the replacement. It is a, it's one of those things that really you have to be, as a physician prescribing it, you really have to be, it's on the fence. It can go either way, and somebody can be doing fine with replacement hormone for years, and then all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, they have to have less or more. So asking about it, you know, with my patients that are are on the replacement uh, hormone for that, I do ask, hey, you know, are you having any kind of problems and maybe list some of those off. But um, that may be something that if, if you, I were seeing you in the office and you said, hey, I'm having a little bit more anxiety, uh, maybe some of those other symptoms, I would probably check a uh, those two thyroid hormones, the free T4 and the TSH, uh, just to see where you are, because uh, you, you may be a little bit off on your dose. Okay. Now, I've mentioned this to my uh, physician. And uh, they they just uh, prescribed Selexa. Now I had been on Selexa for quite some time, then I got off of it, mm-hmm. and just recently she put me back onto it for the anxiety. But it doesn't seem to be helping. Yeah. And- now the anxiety first started a couple of years ago when I was taking a lot of medications for MS, uh-huh. uh, for depression, and just a lot of stuff. And I'm wondering if some combination of those things in there brought this on, and what can I do to get rid of it? Yeah, probably. And don't forget, you know, treating treating anxiety, anxiety can be in different forms. So you can have generalized anxiety disorder that just sort of comes on. It doesn't really have a trigger. You can have focal anxiety that, that is linked to something else. What you just described, you've got several reasons to have anxiety. A lot of those are you know, fairly, fairly serious and yeah, chronic and I, health conditions. Yeah. And I, and I think I'm pretty uh, uh, much at ease with my condition. I mean, I'm not sure. depressed because of this or, or anything that's going on. It's just I wake up and almost like clockwork at 10 o'clock, I get an anxiety attack. Yeah. So, so there are a couple of things I would, I would steer you in the right direction. I, I'm, I am much more apt the, the in the last five years to use psychologist uh, just because, and people sometimes sort of veer away from that. They're like, you know what? I'm not crazy. I don't need to go there. That's not what we're talking about, particularly for something like anxiety. There are things, I mean, this is an interaction of how you think affects the chemicals in your brain and the chemicals in your brain affect how you think and feel. So there's an interaction there and the you, they can give you some tools that don't have any side effects like medications do. Every medication has a side effect. Now I'm not saying you don't need a medication. I'm just saying it can help and in some instances you can come off of medication uh which is always a good thing if you can get by without it. So I I would maybe investigate that pathway particularly if it's something that's coming on at the same time every day. Uh-huh. It, it may not be real directly, at least, related to say the hypothyroidism. It may be, you know, anxiety that's that stand alone. And Celexa is one of the medications we use to treat long term. Generally, for anxiety, for treating it, you need to have a little bit higher dose than you would say for depression. 
Um, and it can take, you know, sometimes six to eight weeks to really see an effect. But I yeah. would, I might ask about a psychologist, a good psychologist that might could help because they may can give you some things to do to prevent that. And then over time, a lot of people have been successful in not even having it. They'll feel that first little, you know, that whatever the symptoms are of the anxiety or the thoughts that they're having with that anxiety, and they'll have some tools that the psychologist can give them to do right then and there to help, you know, ward that off so that you're not having to be linked up to a medication. Okay. Maybe I'll start looking along those lines. So I've, uh, would seeing it, someone specialist like an endocrinologist, would that give me more information? Or Not necessarily about the anxiety, but maybe, you know, some people uh, utilize endocrinologists for the thyroid condition, uh, uh-huh. and they're experts on that. That's one of the areas that they, they have some extra expertise. You don't have to do uh, be an endocrinologist to treat uh, hypothyroidism, uh, though. I mean, that's something uh-huh. that's, once it's controlled, it's fairly easy to do for a primary care physician. Uh, or nurse practitioner. So, but if you do have problems with it, you know, and and sometimes your physician may say, you know what, I just send all my thyroid patients to the endocrinologist. That's fine. They're the experts on it, but they're they're the experts on the thyroid problem and not necessarily the anxiety. Okay, so my takeaway right now it seems like as a I uh, probably discuss with my physician either the possibility of lowering the dose of the Synthroid or increasing the dose of the Selexa. Yeah, that might be two possibilities. I, I would I would want to know what your, your hormone levels are, the free T4. Exactly. I mean, yeah. she's done plenty of blood tests and yeah. stuff, so she should be able to determine Yeah, that. so, if, I mean, if it's on sort of on, you know, if it's if it's in the normal range, but it maybe it's right near where it might not be normal, then, yeah, that, that might be a, something. But that's a good discussion to have with them first and foremost, is do you think maybe changing the dose of either one of these or both might be good? Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck to you, Wayne. Bye. This is Southern Remedy, the number to call if you have a concern about uh, your health. Any kind of questions are welcome this morning. You determine what we talk about. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. You know, a lot of people uh, right after the holidays, um, I you know, <laughs> my my lucky patients that get uh, appointments right after the holidays. Poor people, uh, you know, I see them about three to six months, and they have both Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, to, uh, and then they see me, and they're like, you you. I'm, I usually can tell how good a holiday they had though at that time. But um, one of the common things that I'm seeing uh, is. Uh, in addition to maybe a few extra pounds, uh, are GI complaints. Uh, and that's a that's a big one that, that certainly gaining weight can have, too, that uh, you can have increased reflux is a, one of the more common ones just because you have increased abdominal pressure from the excess fat that's sort of pushing up on the, on the stomach. And uh, types of foods we eat, particularly during the holidays, can cause that, too. So that's something else to sort of watch out for. Maybe that might be a, another goal to try to address from changing what we eat, how much we're eating, uh, and getting more physical activity. I mentioned that I was listening to Everyday Tech uh, on my way in this morning to the studio, uh, and uh, the, the caller, I believe her name was Mary, was asking about Orange Theory. 
and uh, just uh, and and it was explained very well. But I just wanted to to touch base on that too. That uh, Mary may be listening, or others may be listening and wondering about that. Maybe that's part of your New Year's resolution is to join a gym or do something like that. And uh, for those who weren't listening, Orange Theory basically it's a heart rate based uh, regimen that utilizes a coaching system and some healthy competition in, in some of the sessions to uh, to sort of govern the level of physical activity or exercise that you're getting. And they do it in different ways. They have sort of circuits. And a circuit is just you go from one activity to the other. So they may have a, an elliptical bike. They may have you doing different things uh, to get your heart rate up. And the orange comes from they've just assigned a, a color to a certain range of heart rate. So the goal is to get up into the orange range with your heart rate. Now, this isn't anything new. They've actually been using heart rate monitors for years, uh, both in the medical p- profession, uh, you know, for, uh, for various things. It's used as a diagnostic test. Uh, to uh, look at your your stress test. So if you've ever had an EKG treadmill stress test, that's one where you walk on a treadmill and they increase the speed and maybe even the the incline on it while you're getting a, a EKG at the same time. And there's different levels that you would go on that. And that's seeing how your heart reacts to that from an electrical system and your blood pressure and your pulse rate. So it's it's similar to that. Athletes train with heart rate monitors, particularly uh, competitive athletes, maybe even recreational athletes. You, you may have used these. They're extremely common. Uh, they're, they've gotten really accurate, even the ones you wear on your arm so that you don't have a, a strap to wear around your chest. Uh, but they're very useful in cardiac rehab, so patients that have had a heart attack uh, or maybe heart failure to keep their heart rate fast enough so that you're, you're getting some benefit, uh, aerobic activity benefit, but not too much. So, uh, you know, fa- faster as a heart rate is not necessarily good. There is a limit to that. Um, but they, they're very useful. I would say if you're a novice to it, don't just try to get it up, you know, as fast as you can get it. But it is a great tool to have to sort of monitor. And for those of us who really like detail and numbers and, uh, uh, you know, charting out things, all you, um, all you engineers out there, it's a great way to sort of follow things. It's sort of fun, too, to do that. Um, but it can keep you healthy. You know, a lot of people use it, particularly at the collegiate level and above, uh, for their their distance runners, for a lot of their aerobic activities, to try to to make sure that you're not going too high while you're doing your workout. So you can you can adjust that. And a lot of these heart rate monitors are you know you're talking probably a couple of hundred dollars, and you can program it to where it'll keep it within a certain range. Uh, but those do need to be monitored if you're doing that. You know, particularly if you're having a lot of med- other medical problems, diabetes. Uh, hypertension, certainly anything going on with your heart, you want to check that out with your physician and see what, what would be most appropriate. But it's a great way to sort of monitor it. And technology is getting so much better and helpful at, uh, at uh, helping us attain our goals. This is Southern Remedy. The, the number to call this morning is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Harry in Vidalia. Good morning, Harry. Good morning. Thanks for calling this morning. Thank you. Uh, I'm having some numbness that starts in my, normally my left middle finger. Uh-huh. And it also will 
transfer over to the index finger, and it works its way up my arm all the way to my shoulder muscle. And it started doing it uh, not as frequent, but sometimes on the right side also. And I was wondering if that's uh, symptoms of anything that's serious. So a couple more questions. Is there any time of day, like when you wake up, that it's worse? Or is it, you know, after after doing some things during the day, any kind of positions that make it better or worse? I would say it's worse in the morning. Uh-huh. So, but I have not noticed any other pattern after that. Okay. And it's just numbness. It's not like... Uh, it's, um, not, it's gone to sleep and it's tingling. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, do you have any other medical problems like diabetes or anything like that? I'm, I'm absolutely blessed. I'm 81 years old, take zero medications, never have, and almost all everything on my annual physical is right in the middle. Wow, Harry, that's awesome, uh, and no, and uh, and again, no weakness. Like you're not dropping anything with with when you pick things up. No. Okay. Here, now, when, when that numbness gets like that, it, it's weak. Uh huh. Yeah. So so if it's happening on one side, there's a couple of different areas. It's it does sound like it's probably something that's affecting the nerves to those two fingers on your left hand. Uh, and if it goes all the way up to your neck, and it sometimes it happens on the other side, my first inclination would be to think that it's probably in your neck that's causing this problem. So where those nerves come out, you may have a disc. Uh, that a disc is just the the sort of cushion between the vertebra in your neck, those bones in your neck to help cushion it over time. As we get older, certainly you've been blessed with 81 years, but still you can have a lot of wear and tear to that area. Those discs can sort of push on those nerves coming out and cause numbness or tingling or sometimes some pain with them too. So uh, that would be my first inclination. But you can have anything that's affecting those nerves all the way along their length anywhere can cause the same kind of symptoms. There are a couple of other things. I ask about diabetes. You've been blessed to not have that. Um New onset diabetes, though, uh, is something that that might can can show up that way if your blood sugar is increased, just because that's damage to nerves over time. Um, vitamin levels, particularly B twelve, can sometimes do that. Usually, it's it's more symmetrical and it's not just a couple of fingers. Uh, but if all that's normal, I might talk to somebody about you know any kind of neck. There are a couple of maneuvers you can do in the office that can sometimes reproduce that. Um, you know, carpal tunnel is one, but when you, when you started to say that it was going up your arm and maybe on the other side, I I'm thinking I'm leaning more towards your neck as being the source of the problem. So uh, it, that doesn't necessarily mean you need surgery at this point, but that may be a first step in, in trying to figure out what's going on. I appreciate your help and your answers. Oh, you're welcome, Harry. And uh, thanks for calling in, man. That's a great testimony. 81 years. Awesome. Let's go to uh, James. Good morning, James. Uh Uh-oh. Did I press the right one? Yes, James. I got a new system here, people. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, James, for calling. What's going on? Well, this is about my loved one. All right. I I don't want to call the name anything. Sure. No, we don't want to do that. About about 20 years ago, my loved one had a couple of real bad car accidents. People hit her car, and she had to go to the hospital doctor both times. And then... She's had problems with that ever since then. Uh-huh. And uh, I went with her one time. We went to the doctor getting one of those shots in the back of her back. 
Right. And he looked at that x-ray. He's talking about, well, there's any way to, to fix it. He said, forget it. You got too much wrong there. They never fix that. So she has to get these shots in the back every once in a while to stop the pain from her. But but then her gallbladder went bad not long after that. And she always had this pain in the neck and the back. And uh, she ends up with a little knots down in her leg. She goes to one doctor, and then the doctor tells you, you're going to have to go to a surgeon and get that cut out. And always something always going wrong with her. Yep. And she has to go to a bunch of different doctors. She has to go to the first doctor, which is a family doctor. Right. And he has to refer her to every other one. So that means two trips every time something's wrong with her. Yep. And then they'll go to the doctor. And then first thing they want to do is have her come back the next time before they actually do anything. And they give her a prescription of something, and she has to take that for a while. And it goes on and on and on. And they, they, they're not any fixing her. And she's always having all kind of health problems. One thing leads to another. And I cannot tell you what all kind of medicine she takes, because I do not understand it. Uh, and she was pretty healthy up until that time. She was on up in the 40s. Of course, she was on up into her 60s now. Uh-huh. But it just seemed like every week it's another doctor trip yeah. and another bill and another prescription. So, so James, are, are, you, are you trying to figure out how you can maybe minimize this or maybe make this a little bit more streamlined? Well, now, is there ever going to be an end to this? Yeah, it's you know, I and I see this from time to time, and, and it's all too common. There may be something that happened at some point, and the one of the things is if you change because of a problem like this, I'm I'm you know hearing that this back pain and and neck pain is significant enough to really alter what she was able to do probably prior to that. Um, over time, that can affect other things. You adjust your posture because of that pain. You adjust your posture because of the injury. Over time, other muscles get w- overworked. Uh, they can be at other locations. So you can have knee pain because of back pain later on. No, no, no. She don't, she, they don't fix one of the knee things. Yep. They, don't, they had to put a new knee in, but now she's acting like she wants to have new hips. Yeah. She, yeah. She, 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 she having to walk. And she's got all kind of this arthritis all up through her neck and the back. and can't do anything, they say, yep. to give her a shot. They replaced the knee. It, uh, I had to take care of her there for about a month there with that knee. Now, yep. she, now she's expecting, I think her hip's gone bad. And uh, has all kind of headaches. Now, I mean, when does it all end? Yeah, I, you know, and unfortunately, James, I, I can't give you an end point to say, hey, it's going to get better or this is going to end. It's just everybody's a little bit different. Um, what I can comment on, lower back problems, your surgeons and your doctors are right that that, that doesn't get better very well with surgery for most things that you're describing. Neck uh, you know, disorders and pain is a lot better uh, as far as surgically repairing it. Um, here, here's what I would say. I, I would get with your physicians because nobody wants to live a life going from doctor to doctor. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's not something that any of us I think would want to do. Um, 
I would try to streamline that with your your main family doctor and say, you know what, we see way too many people. Is there any way we could streamline this? And then talk with your loved one about some what what are her goals? Uh, you know, and, and the goal will probably with this kind of picture, it's never going to be that she's not having any problems. Thank you know, hopefully that might be something that happens. Well, I, I tell you that right now. It's not easy to talk to this person. She's not happy at all. Sure. Yeah, and it can, not, hey, you know, I don't, I don't dare ask because yeah. if I do, she's going to cut those eyes. <laughs> and she's going to talk to me like I can't go to church, right? And 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 so I know not to ask that anymore. I know yeah. what's the matter. She don't want to hurt, but but the doctor, he just got looked and said, "Well, what do you want me to do?" And we didn't hardly know what to say because the doctor don't know what to do. I don't know what to do either. But I, th- I think what my, that is, I think what that doctor was saying to you, and then maybe they just they phrase that not, not quite in the best way is, what are you again? What are, what are her goals? And if the goals, it's yeah. an unrealistic goal at this point for everything to go away. That's probably not going to happen. Right. Well, now let me let me ask you. She's sixty three years old. Now she takes medicine to this fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia, right. And then headaches. Uh huh. And she has to go to this special doctor lady to get her pain medicine. Right. And and she has to take the stuff for her blood pressure and that fibromyalgia thing. And it takes all kinds of Excedrin and Tylenol and aspirin and everything like this. Is a, is a whole lot of medicine more than I can take and keep track of unless I had my notebook right there and I copied down all of her prescriptions. And it ain't going to be easy to catch all of those prescriptions because she got them in the drawers, up in the medicine cabinet, down below, in under the sink. Now, this is my main question. With all of these medicines, she's about 63 years old. How how long can she do that before you think she will pass? Yeah, James, I can't, you know, without without even if she were my patient, I that's just a not uh, enough at things that we can look at to say that in her situation. I will say this, the more you can't that. that I I mean there's no way. There's no way if you ask any physician if they told you, "Hey, I think she's got no, no 5 way. years, 10 years." There's just no way to really say that. I think as long as the time as she has, uh, if she can, if she can sort of work towards this, it would be to to be as mobile as possible with the least amount mobile. of medications, uh, and and she stop taking those medicines. Well, it, there are a lot of other things you can do these days. You know, a lot of people say I, I don't, I just can't do without them. But there's a lot of other alternatives. I th- I do think the pain management specialist can help with that. Uh, but the least amount of those medications you can take, the better that you're going to do long term. I don't give up on trying to tell her not to take so much medicine. I got, I got one more question. I know you got all kind of valuable people there to call you. Go ahead. All right, now she done been to just about every doctor's office out here to the universe to, to Mobile uh-huh. from that Spring Hill Memorial Place to the Providence. Those doctors up and down Airport Boulevard, Dolphin Street, try to stay away from the Spring Hill area because they charge so much money. But now, she doesn't been to all the doctors. Right. When it comes time that she does pass, do I have to pay her bills from the doctors? Because obviously they didn't work. Do I still have to pay all that money to them? 
I, you know, James, I, I, that's that's way too complicated with the insurance. Uh, I don't know that we're gonna. I'm gonna be able to answer that one for you. Uh, I know a lot of times that's you know that's sort of negotiated around those times, but that. I think you need to take one step at a time. Think about how you can support her in the best way possible. It's not going to be easy. You said that. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it is difficult. Chronic pain is something that is very difficult. It is unrealistic, though, to, to think that you're going you're gonna to totally make it go away, even with medications, even with surgical problems. That's just not, uh, that, that's not, uh, unfortunately, not, not uh, a... a um, a goal that's attainable for almost anybody in that kind of situation. So, so uh, hey, James, stay in touch uh, as things as things move forward. Uh, we we can walk you through this as much as we can, but and I, I, it's a difficult situation. But we do appreciate your call and stay in touch with us. This is Southern Remedy. Got time for a couple more calls. Going to go to uh, to Evelyn in just a second. But the number to call if you have a question is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, Evelyn, are you on the line? Yes. Thank you for calling. Well, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Go ahead. You got a question? Okay. I have been diagnosed with neuropathy. I've had the nerve conduction studies. I've had uh, some kind of little um, biopsy that said it was small fiber or small cell neuropathy, something like that. I don't Uh have diabetes. There's no no cause for this. But it gets worse, and it keeps getting worse. And I'm, I'm... I just I don't know what I don't know what else I can do about it. I, I take gabapentin, I take tramadol, and um, I've even tried marijuana uh, and CBD oil, and that doesn't seem to do much. Um, so I don't know if there's anything out there. Every once in a while, I check the internet to see if anything new has shown up, but everybody just seems to say that there's nothing you can do for it. That yeah, Evelyn, that is one of the the you know the, some of the other ones are fairly. Well, I say fairly easy. They're easier to treat, uh, but the small fiber neuropathies and some of the other ones that aren't sort of your bread and butter uh, diabetic neuropathies or B12 neuropathy or things like that, they're much harder to treat. Um, at, are you seeing a, a neurologic specialist who has experience with this? I would know where to find one. I have been to a, a boatload of neuro- neurologists, but they they haven't been much help. I, I think you're going to have to to look around regionally for somebody like this because they're they're pretty rare. I know here in Jackson, there's there's just one or two that really specialize in this. Uh, for the for the Fairhope area, I, I'm not familiar with what's available around Mobile. You probably have at least one resource there. If you don't, you're, you it may be worth a trip to say Birmingham uh, to uh, U, to UAB or somewhere like I, that. I was referred to a neurologist in Birmingham, and um, all they did was, I don't know what the, my doctor told them, but they just did the nerve conduction studies again. I've had that done three times. There's no doubt, you know, that that right. comes up positive, but um, but I don't know if there are specialists in the, the tiny little subset that I have. Uh, Evelyn, uh, if you will, we've, we're going to get your number, and uh, I'm going to contact you. Uh, there is one person here in Jackson that I know is is uh, very experienced in this. 
Uh, but but I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna get you that. Um, or if you can uh, if you can hold on, uh, uh, we're gonna get somebody to get your number, and we'll give you a call back uh, after the hour about the contact. Okay. Okay, that'd be great. All Thanks. right. Thanks, Evelyn, for calling. Those are those are different uh, difficult um, neuropathies. It, it, I would uh, um, encourage people though, just like Evelyn has done. If you're not getting good results, you know, with something. Uh, people can be diagnosed with neuropathy, and then usually there's one or two drugs that we use frontline to treat that. But if you don't know what's causing it, a lot of times it's not going to get better, particularly if it's one of those uh, small fiber neuropathies or some of the congenital neuropathies. Um, there, there's lots of other problems that could uh, that could cause those, and you you want somebody who has a lot of experience in that, and not everybody is um, is versed in how to do that. Um, day in and day out. And there's not really much you can do to prevent those either. That's uh, just sort of a genetic uh, predisposition. Some of them may be acquired through uh, different things, but it it can be difficult to deal with. Uh, So if it's not, you know, if there's not other things going on and you don't have diabetes uh, either established or new onset, you don't have other problems going on, uh, find you somebody. Keep asking questions um, because that's uh, that's probably going to make all the difference. And uh, Evelyn brought up, unfortunately for the medical profession, sometimes the uh, our communications get crossed. So you might be referred to a specialist, but they're not necessarily uh, give, giving you the answers that you want. So it may not be a diagnosis that you need or a second opinion about the diagnosis, but a treatment. So it's sometimes difficult um, to get those messages relayed always as a patient or as a family member of a patient advocate on behalf of yourself and uh, take those records with you and say, you know, my real question is this. And go ahead and write that down. Write down a series of questions when you see somebody else because uh, it can help you out once you get there. Uh, I got one question. Let's see. Okay, here's a question from uh, email. So it says, is there anywhere to get uh, dry vitamin E in the Jackson area. Dry vitamin E. Vitamin E is, as most of you know, is a vitamin. It's one of the fat-soluble vitamins. It is necessary for a lot of the metabolic processes that our bodies need. Uh, it is a because it's fat-soluble. All of the fat-soluble vitamins, uh, some of them like vitamin A, vitamin E. They, uh, you can't really take them as a capsule, so they're in a sort of an oily mixture, a little capsule that has that oily mixture in it, and it's hard for some people to take that. Um, I'm not aware of where to get dry vitamin E, but I would, I would start somewhere like Marty's Pharmacy in the Jackson area because they have a lot of different things. They they love to to help people out with compounding. That's sort of my go-to uh, if there's medications that people need but they can't take in the current form, and they'll be willing to work with you on something like that. So if anybody's going to know, that's usually that's who I would call is uh, Marty's Pharmacy. So uh, if, you're, if you're looking for that, their number is uh, in, the, in the phone book. They're right off of Lakeland Drive uh, in the Jackson area. Same thing for, for pediatric medications. A lot of times they'll be willing to compound those. But I'm not aware of a dry vitamin E. Now, you may want to look at the vitamin E that's in foods. And if it's a supplement, honestly, it's probably going to be cheaper just trying to eat foods that are high in vitamin E uh, rather than getting that compounded. But if there's a medical reason that you're, um, that you're, you're wanting to do that, then you might, uh, you know, you might want to, um, might want to check with them. So it's always hard, you know, 
a lot of times you'll be prescribed something and maybe you don't realize till you get it, maybe the pill's too large or it's something that you just, you know, it has a nasty taste to it. As a medical student, we used to, uh, we used to have for years, we had a pediatric pharmacist in the children's hospital and he made uh, residents and students as they rotated through the inpatient service taste test different things that we gave to kids like different antibiotics and uh, different medications that we would give on a, you know, that were pretty common. And it was always interesting to sort of taste those things. It made a difference when you went to prescribe them. You, 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 you know, had some second thoughts. Because if, if a patient can't take something, it doesn't really matter what you prescribe to them. If there's a reason why they can't take it, uh, then they're just not going to get the medication. So uh, something to bring up with your doctor. I know a lot of people are like, you know, I'm a little embarrassed because of that. I, I don't know if I should bring that up, that I can't take this medication. I know they say that I need to. There are alternatives. And even for common medications, if you can't take a tablet, there may be something else that you can take. There may be a liquid form of that medication. Ask your physician. Talk to your pharmacist first at your pharmacy. There may be some other alternatives. Uh, a lot of times they, they aren't listed on your um, formulary, but there may be some ways around that. Uh, if you're having a true problem with it. So uh, just check that out. That's a, that's a sort of an adage that we give to medical students and to, uh, to uh, residents in training. You know, it doesn't really matter what you prescribe to your patient. If they're not able to take it and they're not consistently taking it, it, it you really have to back up and say, okay, why aren't you taking your medication? What kind of problems are you having with the medications? And that's one of those questions that I, I try to ask with all my patients is, you have any problems with your current medications and um, you'd be amazed at, uh, you know, sort of what comes up and maybe you don't think about it till you're right there. But that's definitely something you want to bring up with your pharmacist. That's what they're there for to help out as a team approach to different things and also to your uh, to your primary care physician as well. Well, I hope everyone has had a great New Year and Christmas holidays. I uh, Hey, I'm challenging everybody to pick something. If you haven't chosen something already as a New Year's resolution that can help you get more healthy in 2019, then do it. Share it with us. We are here for you and with you uh, on Wednesdays at 11 o'clock. This is Southern Remedy, which has been a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Today's show was engineered by Jay White and our call screener was Kevin Farrell. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.